The next chapter with Prim Sripapad is a production of iHeartRadio. Hey, everybody. It's Prim. Welcome to the next chapter presented by Baron Davis and Slick Studios. Well, this week we are shaking things up and doing something a little different. For those who are watching this episode, you might notice that I'm not by my bookcase at home. And yes, we are taking the next chapter on the road. So I was recently tabbed as the host and co-organizer and advisor to this nationwide multi-city, multi-university tour and series, LG Transparent Conversations, addressing student-athlete mental health and well-being. And this content was so good and so important. I thought it was really important that we re-air some of these conversations right here on the next chapter. So LG Transparent Conversations is a live-to-tape podcast series powered by LG Electronics USA, exploring mental health within the world of athletics and academia. And in this series, I, alongside a number of important guests, explore a wide range of topics from the stressors of the modern student-athlete experience to the consequences of these stressors to the role of support systems and to finally life after the game ends. So we'll be making stops all over the place, including Duke University, my alma mater, and Loyola Marymount University in Los Angeles. So I'm traveling all over the country for this mini-series, bringing these conversations directly to athletes, administrators, and other community members to help address this important issue. And each panel will feature not only a different topic, but a different set of panelists who all bring just a unique perspective, which means you'll be hearing from current student athletes, former student athletes, some who even played at the pro levels, mental health experts, clinicians, key administrators. You're going to hear it all. And LG is on a mission to make their tagline, life's good, more than just a saying. And with this series, we hope to spark powerful, transparent conversations, conversations we hope will make a difference in and out of the classroom, as well as on and off the court and field. So without further ado, here's the first episode of this LG Transparent Conversation series at my alma mater, Duke University. And joining us on this panel is Nina King, Vice President and the Director of Athletics for Duke University. Dr. Sean Zeppelin, the Assistant Director of Athletics and Behavioral Health for Duke, and former Duke men's basketball and NBA player, Gerald Henderson, Jr. I do believe we are ready to go. In all honesty, it kind of feels like we're in a glass case of emotion, does it not? A little bit? Absolutely. <laughs> I'm pulling out movie references already, just to set the tone so everything is very casual. But yes, a happy Friday, everybody, and welcome to Transparent Conversations. We are finally here. Yes, indeed. Thank you for the claps. Thank you for the claps. Uh, yeah, so Transparent Conversations, it is a nationwide, multi-city, multi-university mini-series and tour addressing such an important topic, student-athlete mental health and well-being. And for those that don't know me, my name is Prim Saripapad. I will be acting as your host and your moderator and talking a lot in your ear. But also for context, I am also a Duke alum. I was a member of the Duke women's tennis team from 99 to 2003, during which we did win the program's first ever national title. Shout out. That's right. That's right. Um, But afterwards, after I graduated, I spent many years in sports broadcasting and media, uh, including some time at ESPN. But recently, I have transitioned into the mental health space. And so today, I'm a third-year doc student in the counseling psychology program at Fordham University. And so much of my focus and also my research is going to be working towards helping athletes and everybody in and around sports. So yeah, this today marks the first of four episodes where each panel discussion will address different topics and Each of these panels will feature uh, different guests on those topics. And so we thought it would be great to open up this conversation talking about the stressors. So the stressors of the modern student-athlete experience. That is enough from me. I'm talking a lot. More importantly, let's bring in our esteemed guests. So first off, Ms. Nina King, Vice President and the Director of Athletics for 
Duke University. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us. I know you have a very jam-packed schedule, so we really appreciate you coming on. And also, I told you before, I want to say it publicly, it's so nice to see you and meet with you um, in person. And an amazing congrats on your new role as AD. Well, thank you so much. I'm so honored to be here. And yes, we are all busy, but not busy enough to talk about this really important topic that's impacting so many of our student athletes. Awesome. Thank you. And of course, Dr. Z, Dr. Sean Zeppelin, the Assistant Director of Athletics and of Behavioral Health here at Duke. Dr. Z, you and I have had many, 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 many conversations <laughs> over the past month. It's such a pleasure um, to see you here in person, and thank you for joining us. It's so good to finally be here. You know, like we said, we've been talking about this what, for what feels like months, but yeah. um, excited to to have this conversation and have Duke be the the first of many of these conversations. Exactly. Yes. And last but definitely not least, <laughs> the Gerald Henderson Jr. Fork, former Duke men's basketball player and a longtime NBA player. G, you and I have worked together a gazillion times over the years. Yeah. We're going to keep working to, with each other until we're like 80. Let's do it. Let's do Let's it. Do Thank it. you for joining us. Absolutely. I'm, I'm looking forward to this conversation. And, um, you know, we got a connection and yeah. you know, I love doing stuff like this. And also a big thank you to not only everybody here at Duke, but everybody in the audience as well. Just, you know, as a member of the media, I, I recognize maybe I'm not supposed to be biased, but I am going to be biased. So thank you to the Duke family, seriously and sincerely, for opening your, your doors and gates for um, really just having an important conversation. So, you know, um, as I said, we wanted to open the conversation, just talking like a larger macro perspective on the topic of student-athlete mental health and well-being. And so let's talk about some of these stressors. Um, before we dive into that, I want everybody at home and here um, to really know what both of your all's roles are. And I know that sounds simplistic, but, you know, just to give a little context. So, Nina, just your general role. Right sure. Now. So as director of athletics, I oversee um, our 27 varsity sports. We have 775 student-athletes competing uh, for uh, ACC championships, NCAA championships. We've got 350 full-time employees um, that support our student-athletes as well as Duke Recreation. So the campus rec experience, which includes intramurals, club sports, uh, physical education, and then the Duke University golf course. So we've got a lot going on over here within athletics. And of course, we're encapsulated in Big Duke and, and Duke University. And, um, you know, I think... A lot of times you'll hear athletic directors say athletics is the front porch of the university. And so we love to, to draw people in via athletics and then to explore uh, the bigger university. Amazing. So you're not busy at all? At all. Awesome. <laughs> Great. A lot of free time. Cool. Um, and Dr. Z, how about you? What are your day-to-day -day routines look like and your responsibilities today? So the day-to-day -day is uh, overseeing the, the provision of the mental health services for our student-athletes. Um, we have a staff of three full-time psychologists uh, here. So... Um, really have grown the services, you know, under Dr. White and now under Nina to to make sure that, you know, we've got, like Nina said, we've got 775 student-athletes, you know, and, and they're each going through uh, their their own journey while they're here, and we're here to support, support that on a day-to-day -day basis and make sure they have what they need to be successful in the classroom, athletically, personally. Fantastic. Right, so you're not busy either. Um, <laughs> and then, Gerald... I want to ask you, I know you're doing many, many other things, including real estate today, but when you look back on your collegiate career, what was your role? What was your level of responsibility coming in? Um, well, you know, I left here in 2009. Uh, I think the biggest kind of badge, literally, that I held on, you know, my shirt was being the captain of the men's basketball team. You know, that was, um, you know, a big honor for me, especially at the university that we're at. Um, and, you know, I held that high. And obviously, as a student athlete, you've got to, um, you know, take care of business in the classroom. But, um, you know, you, just like Nina said, we're competing for ACC championships. We're competing for national championships. So it's a, it's a lot of stuff to handle all at one time. But, um, you know, it's all, it's all an honor in doing it at a place like this. It is. It's a, it's a responsibility, a lot of expectations and pressure. But with that comes 
pressure. And I'll steal that quote from uh, my mentor and somebody I really look up to, Billie Jean King, who talks about pressure is a privilege. And it really is. And of course, it can manifest in different ways and affect people differently. So let's dive into it. Uh, Dr. Z, I just want to go to you first. When you think about all the stressors that really impact student athletes, uh, just to name a few, what comes to mind? Well, I think... You know, we've got to look at them not just as student athletes, but they are, you know, they're young adults and they're dealing with the same issues that every young adult deals with. So, you know, just starting with college is a time of transition. So, you know, being away from home for the first time, having to figure out who you are as a person, you know, separate from your family. And and that that is a great process. And at the same time, it comes with stress. You know, it's a lot of change in your life and and really helping them just navigate that. Then you take on top of that. The, the stress that comes with being a student athlete, the, the pressure to perform, the pressure, or the balance between academics and athletics, especially here at a place like Duke. You know, we, we have student athletes here who want to be the best at everything they do. Mm. And that's amazing. And at the same time, that comes, that, that comes with the ability to have to manage your time and, and navigate that, um, which, which, you know, like you said, it, it, there's pressure there, but it's also... It's a good thing. It's what helped get them here. You, you know, I say to our kids all the time, you wouldn't be here if you weren't good at handling pressure and you didn't respond to it. It just takes it up another level while they're here. You know, you're so right. It's like that dual uh, aspect of that responsibility because in many ways, I guess it could be a little bit easier if you just go and you're like, I'm just going to focus on uh, academics. I'm just going to focus on sports. But um, at certain institutions, and certainly Duke is one of them, where you're like, wow, I'm really going to try the best in, in all the worlds. And so, Nina, just to kind of get your open and general thoughts, when you think of some of the stressors that impact student athletes today, what comes to mind? So this podcast is four hours. <laughs> um, Depends how much time. We'll sit here. I'll sit here for four hours if you have it. <laughs> I mean, they're just, you know, I, I make light, but there are just so many. And so, you know, we've talked about the academic and athletic balance. And, and of course, we want to be great at both. And, and we are not shy about wanting to excel um, here in the classroom and, and competitive um, success. We want to realize here, of course. Um, but then you kind of add everything else onto the desire to be great um, on those two things, which is enough, um, but to have a social life and to make friends and the transition. And then you kind of add some of the uncertainty in college athletics that we're experiencing right now, which a lot of it is is kind of big picture and more broad, but you bring it down to a granular level where, where the student athletes are being impacted. NIL, um, it's a great thing, but my goodness, the time that it now takes for student athletes to focus on money on building their brand and everything that goes into that and then go study for the chem exam and then go compete um, you know on the field it's just there are so many different things um, going into a college athletics experience now um, which I think you know there has been a lot um, but now it's just manifesting in different ways and and the pressure that we're seeing our student athletes under is is really um, it's a lot. Yeah, it really is. It's funny. I feel like there's so many more opportunities for student athletes. And yet with those opportunities comes even more demands and even more responsibilities. I was talking to another coach uh, separately, and uh, that coach was saying that they the today the student athletes have their schedules are so packed. And oftentimes they actually student athletes today have more resources. But again, those resources, it's like, oh my God, I got this meeting and this meeting and these people to meet with, you know. So it's quite overwhelming. Um, So Gerald, you know, when you reflect back on your experience, time, school, basketball, social, leaving home, what stands out to you about some of the stressors that that really impacted you? You know, when I was at school, um, you know, you just mentioned social, so social media wasn't a huge thing. Right. But now it is. And, um, you know, I can only imagine if I had to deal with, you know, somebody talking about me, how I was not playing well, maybe in the game. Um, My freshman year at Duke was one of the worst years we've had here as a basketball program. We we lost 12 times, which is like historical. Right. (laughs) And, um, you know, we hear stuff on ESPN and hear stuff other places. But, you know, with social media, there's so many places uh, you know, for people to talk about you and stuff like that. And it's just, I can only imagine it's challenging for these, for these young guys. But, um, you know, for me, I think the biggest thing is, you know, when I was here, just focusing in on what I was doing. Basketball was so important to me. I want 
getting better was so important to me. Doing well in the classroom was important to me. Just something that my parents instilled in me. And um, I just focus on that. You can't control um, the outside stuff. And it's, it's a lot going on, especially, you know, being on the basketball team, going to class, having to study and all that stuff. But that's – it's like you said, it's a privilege to be able to do it here. So um, I went to Episcopal Academy in, in uh, Pennsylvania, and it was a similar kind of atmosphere. You know, a lot of expectations on – on young uh, student student athletes, and so, you know, I was kind of groomed for that. And when you come to college, it just goes up another level. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, it's all it's all part of of being an adult. You know, you you, you learn um, some of the pressures of of being an adult here, and it prepared me to take that into the professional level and do things at a higher level there too. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for sharing that about your your freshman year, um, and that brings back memories, maybe not great memories of my performance as a freshman. <laughs> uh, and I was reading an article just kind of in preparation for this and, and just reading up on, on some of the literature that, that's out there. And I don't know why, but I had completely forgotten the aspect of like athletic performance as a stressor. Like that seems the most, the most obvious thing in the world. But to share another story, my freshman year, there had been Lindy Brown, our communications, uh, one of our communications employees has been here forever, but I always get this stat wrong, but we had something crazy like 13 ACC consecutive regular season titles and ACC championships. And my freshman year, that group, we did snap that trend, and I was out there on the tennis court, and I choked my match. I was up 6-4-4-3, and I just felt like the weight of the pressure and the world, and, you know, all I could think about was, like, you know, of course, I want to make myself proud, but I want to make my coaches and my teammates. And of course, like, I didn't want to let my Duke family down. And so, you know, that athletic performance is such a huge part of it. But Dr. Z, do you have any thoughts as we're kind of sifting through and really trying to pinpoint all of these different stressors? Yeah, I mean, the athletic performance side can can go so many different ways. You know, I think for, for people to get to this level, to be this elite, you know, you have to work at your craft and you have to, you know, embrace that pressure. And, and a lot of times, especially from like an emotional standpoint, what we see is, especially pre-college, sport was the way that people dealt with stress. You know, it was, you know, mm. I'm having a bad day. I'm, I'm going to go get some shots up. Like, and that's how I'm going to get it out, you know, and I'm going to go hit some balls and, and really work through that. And then you come here and because that pressure to perform becomes a whole new level, I mean, especially now where, everything is broadcast it's on tv everybody's watching it everything and it it starts to it becomes a stressor maybe for the first time where it's not just a place where i can go and get it out it's a place that's also going to add to that and and you know there really is that athletic pride of like i want to do well all the time I, i i've got all these people supporting me watching me and again all a great thing it's a great thing when things are going well and and it adds to it when when things aren't going well yeah. What do you th- what are your thoughts about just the the increase in the spotlight, the prestige? There's also more money involved, and when you have the increase in commercialization of sports, just by nature, when there's more money and more brands and more corporate corporations and companies involved, there's just going to be a higher level of pressure on everybody. I mean, not just student athletes, but I would imagine for a university as well. Absolutely. I mean, the pressure for us to succeed as as an athletic department um, and to represent our university. And, you know, obviously in athletics, we keep score. I mean, listen, we just tossed around 13 ACC titles and um, they're points of pride, right? And so the the pressure to continue to talk about all of the great things that we're doing um, and, and, you know, kind of shy away from some of the the negative things, the negative impacts, it, it really it it can build up and and I think our student athletes unfortunately feel the weight of that pressure um but you know like you said I mean there's a lot of money being thrown around um because we're successful so then we need to stay successful and and how do we keep the momentum and how do we keep the success and so that's what's something I hope as administrators and coaches and kind of the adults here in in the room that we can keep that pressure off of our student athletes because they already have so much. I mean, we just in a few minutes talked about a handful of things that they already have to have to deal with. Yeah. Yeah, so I, and, and just to give everybody context, especially those that are in our audience about like the general overview and also our listeners at home, the reason why this opening conversation is so important is because now we can we can create this uh, 
discussion about the cause and effect. Because if we don't know where the stresses are coming from and what could potentially lead to some consequences or even mental health implications and consequences, right, then we're, gonna, we're not going to know how to address it. So just kind of listing out some things. Uh, Dr. Z, you mentioned just the transition, leaving home. That was a big adjustment you know, for me, um, new academic responsibilities, new social environment and demands, new physical surroundings, new living situation, new coach and new teammates, injuries, that's a big thing, right? Travel, NIL deals, issues on the team, maybe with a coach or, or other teammates, um, and having to balance all of this stuff out. So when we kind of like sum up all of these stressors and really list them out, what comes to mind about what do you think gives student athletes the most trouble? And anyone can chime in here. Um, you know, like we just mentioned the NIL stuff. And, you know, I, I love that student athletes are, are in a position to, um, you know, get, get paid for what they're doing. I think that it's an awesome thing. However, it, it can be a distraction. You know, it, it can be a situation where you lose sight of why it's there in the first place. And, you know, the biggest thing the biggest reason it's there is because of their performance on whatever field or court that, that it's, um, you know, that they're playing on. And so the biggest thing is to keep focus of uh, how you got to Duke, why you're at Duke, and all of the extra stuff that comes with it, um, you know, will, will be as it may. But the focus is, you know, growing in the sport that you're in, continuing to improve, and obviously focusing in the classroom. But um, don't let it take away from, you know, what got you there. Are the stressors today, is it more stressful being a student athlete today, do you think? Dr. Z, were you thinking about this as we were talking it, talking about it? I think yes and no. Yeah. Um, I think because you, you have things like social media and NIL, it's, it's added to it. Um, but at the same time, you know, we, you guys were still, you know, all the things that I talked about, those general, like, you know, coming of age kind of issues that people deal with were issues you know, 10, 20, 30 years ago, we just, we didn't talk about them. And I think that's, you know, sometimes if, when I try to sum it up, I think it is the, the persona of athletes and like the perception of athletes. When I talk to someone like on the street and they you know, hear what I do as a job, I sometimes get this response of like, well, you work with college student athletes. Like what do, what do they have to be sad about? They're living the dream, right? <laughs> and it's, you know, and, and I think that's the perception because athletes put on that face of like, I'm tough. I can, you know, I get through this, you know, you always see the press conferences afterwards. It's, you know, the positive spin, everything. And that's what everybody sees. And you, you start to live that. Like, I, I can't, I'm not going to talk about any of this stuff. I've got this. And so, you know, I think that's always existed. You know, now it's just, there's more opportunities for that to be public facing and, and add to the stress. Fantastic. You led right into the next question. Because I had that on my list because literally my question is, was, what do you say to people that are like, oh, but they're just a student athlete. They're playing sports for this. What do they have to worry about? And we all here have heard that question. And it's really less of a question and more of a remark and invalidating the stressors that come with it. So, Nina, what are your thoughts when somebody says, what does a student athlete have to worry about? Yeah, well, at Duke, why don't you ask them what classes they're in? And they'll tell you all about organic chemistry and mechanical engineering and, 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 right? So it's the, the academics here um, are so strong, but it doesn't give student athletes kind of a, a chance to step back and to breathe. Like they, in their downtime from athletics, are in the classroom and studying. In their downtime from the classroom and studying, they're working out and practicing and competing. And so, you know, it, it's horrible that that's folks' first reaction is, oh, you're a student athlete, you're just at college to have fun. Um, and that's where we've kind of lost the narrative around college athletics. It's seen more of it, more as an entertainment business rather than, um, you know, we're here, we have an educational mission and we're here to provide an education and athletics is a part of it. Um, and so that's why I'm so grateful to be here at a place like Duke where we do recognize the balance. And again, we, we are not shy about wanting to be really good at both, um, but ensuring that our student athletes realize balance between the two. We're, we're not in the entertainment business. Yeah, that's, no, and that's exactly right. Gee, when we're talking about this, if somebody, I don't know if you've ever had anybody come up or, or made the remark of like, I mean, but you're an athlete. What do you yeah. have to worry about? You play sports, you make money. That seems like the best job in the world. What are your thoughts? You know, 
I've played on the professional level, obviously. And, um, you know, going through a lot of the stuff that I went at Duke, you know, it was, it was challenging. I never felt like I had a situation that I couldn't handle um, per se. But, you know, as I became a professional, there was a, an instant where I was in a game and, you know, it was a contract year for me. This is, these are all different stressors, right? Contract year for me, um, wasn't playing well that year. We had a new coach, team stunk. And, like, you know, it just was a lot going on all at one time. And um, I remember being in a game and going to halftime, and I just had a horrible half, and I, like, went in the hallway. I thought I was having a breakdown. I didn't know what was going on. It's a lot going on. One of the biggest um, things, the best things I did was uh, get a performance coach. And he was a doctor, like Doc Z, and, um, you know, kind of organized my thoughts. And it was um, – the best choice I've ever made in my life because it, it, it enabled me to kind of simplify things that were going on at the time and focus in on just specifically what I was wanted, wanted to do. I don't know if that answered your question. but No, this is great. <laughs> I mean, this is not about, you know, this being a very directive. It's all about being totally honest and wherever the conversation goes because it's all relevant. It really yeah. is. So. so, you know, on you know people say that about – professional athletes, right? What do they got to worry about? They're making 10, 20 million dollars this year. Who cares what's going on with them? Well, there's a lot of stress that comes with, you know, um, trying to perform for people and, you know, the spotlights on you even more on the, in the professional uh, ranks. It's so funny because as you're sharing your, your journey, I immediately feel myself get very protective of just athletes. And this is the work that clinicians are supposed to do, right, Dr. Z? And, you know, when I'm going through my doctoral training, you really have to be aware of what's going on internally so you are able to better help whoever you are sitting with. And so my awareness has, has developed. And as you were saying that, I was like, I get so protective of athletes because I think it's all relative, right? And even though we're in the entertainment industry, because it is sports, but it's still our responsibility and it's our passion, but our passions sometimes morph into our jobs and our careers and our livelihoods and our identity and our finances and our families. And, and so, you know, as I'm saying all of this, Dr. Z, does anything come to mind in terms of just all how it may be entertainment and passion for others, but it's still something that's really important to us. It is. I mean, you know, we, we, we talk sometimes, especially as people are graduating, it's like, you know, your, your sport is something you do. It's not who you are. But that's not really true, right? Like, it is a big part of, of who you are. And, and I think really trying to, you know, when we're talking about all this stuff, and, yeah, there's pressure and everything. And, you know, and, and, and Gerald, as you were talking about, I was thinking, like, like, when someone comes into my office, the answer isn't, like, oh, well, let's just stop doing this sport that's, like, stressful. It's like, no, like, because that's the last thing they want to hear. It's like, no, help me get through this. Like, I want to, I want to, again, still be better. And, you know, and so it's really, there's that misconception sometimes of the work that, that we do of, like, that it's like we're, we're going to soften it and make it easier. Like, no, like, because these kids don't want that. You know, our student athletes don't want, they don't want excuses. They want to get better. And and so that's that's just the mindset of, of who athletes are. I think it's important for people to understand that athletes are people. There's so much more mm-hmm. to them. You know, it's, I hate the stick to sports argument with whatever. If an athlete is talking about something other than sports and uh, folks retort is stick to sports, that's so asinine. Um, so, you know, it, we need to make sure that, that people are understanding here in this setting, we're talking about 18 to 22-year-old young adults. Um, and they've got families and, you know, parents, siblings, and um, they're, they're um, representing, obviously, Duke, but, but themselves as people and, and where they come from and their stories. And so I think it's really important for all of us to understand um, who they are off the court, off the field, um, and, and really deep dive into their story. I could not agree more. I mean, yeah, the, the shut up and dribble um, saying is, uh, it's, I don't know, uh, it's disrespectful. It's, you know, not a comprehensive view. Uh, actually, you know, I would say over the past several months when he was on first take, uh, our Duke alum, J.J. Reddick, went off on a rant. It was a fantastic, and, and he did it in such an intellectual, thoughtful way, just like, I was like, no, I'm not going to shut up and dribble. And, of course, his podcast, which is, like, one of the most 
popular sports po- podcast out there speaks for itself. But yes, I mean, I think, Nina, that makes such a great point. And this is what it's all about, right? Is like really taking down the facade and stripping this down. And that doesn't mean that when we recognize that athletes can be, or they are human and they're people, that doesn't mean that they can't still at the same time perform at a high level. So Gerald, when you think back to your college experience, were you ever thinking about like, hey, I am a human being, I'm a person, did, yeah. did that come to your mind, or were you just really focused on? Well, you know, like we've mentioned before, Duke is always in the spotlight, right? But, you know, you, you almost, at least back then, like, we, you didn't have time to slow down and kind of think about these things. I don't know if there was a Doc Z back, back in 2006. I don't know if that really existed here. Um, so not, you know, many people to talk to other than your teammates. One person I would talk to often was my mom. You know, like you talk about, you know, leaving home and that transition will, you know, continue to lean on your parents. You know, at 18 years old, you may be going to college, but you're not far from home. You just were there last year and your whole life. So keep that connection with your parents. Um, That was important for me because this is a fast-paced lifestyle. I'm sitting here watching all these kids just whiz on by, <laughs> you know, like. Go to class. Yeah. You know, it's Friday, but there's, there's uh, that kid's just shaking his head like, no. <laughs> but, um, look, it's fast-paced. There's, there's a lot of stuff going on. You're going to go from class where you're thinking about geometry, whatever it is, and then you're running from there to go right to, um, to practice. And then right after practice, you may have study hall, like, even if, you know, practice was some traumatic situation for you, you don't got time to think about it. Yeah. You know, um, and especially, you know, you got John Shires, the head coach now, but with Coach K, even if we're winning, we're, you know, there's stuff we're going to figure out that's wrong and we're going to take care of it. We He's going to let you know. Absolutely. <laughs> we're, we don't base, um, you know, where we're at just based off of winning. We're basing it off of where we're at and things that we want to accomplish. So you're always on edge just a little bit. So there's always something there um, that you're working on. So there's there's no time to really stop and, you know, kind of soak in your thoughts. It wasn't like that, at least at least then. You, you know, when you mentioned that you oftentimes called your mom, and as I was driving back here into Durham and onto campus for the first time in three years, the pandemic, I wasn't able to get back. And I, I'm, I was just so excited and elated to be here and at the same time I got like those old school butterflies like I had started having visions of myself like trying to get on the bus I'm like oh we'll be late for practice and Jamie's gonna make us do sprints you know for 30 minutes and everything but yeah I mean I mean just those uh you know those memories came flooding back and I also remember like it's a big responsibility to 18 to 22 and just you're leaving home how do how do you think that just that natural transition um, obviously, we're not talking about commuter schools because that's a totally different story of those students that are uh, at home and then going to school. But for a place like Duke, where they leave home, do you all feel as though, Dr. Z and Nina, that you are also in some ways kind of their transitional parents mm-hmm. yeah. in some ways? You know, it's interesting you asked that. I, I just met with a recruit this morning and, and her family, um, and I, I assured the mom that when she comes to Duke, I've got mom hugs for your daughter (laughs) don't worry leave her with us she's going to be okay and whenever she needs a mom hug and I tell our student athletes that all the time I mean they they are kind of missing that those um, parental figures and I even offer I have a new dog so if they want to come over and (laughs) hang out with a puppy come on (laughs) Um, and so yeah I mean I think it's about showing us as humans to our student athletes and developing those relationships outside of coach student athlete um, or outside of administrator student athlete and and really um, getting to know each other each other as people and developing those relationships and and making them feel comfortable while they're here yeah yeah so you kind of have to really shift between all these different roles and and how about you Dr. Z do you feel as though you're kind of the uh, a transitional or makeshift parent in some ways or mentor we are because the, the forgotten side of this is that they are away from home and life is still happening back at home. You know, there are things that they're now not a part of, you know, and, and some of those are just the routine, you know, Sunday family dinner, like I'm not there to have that conversation with my parents. But, you know, not great things happen. You know, you get a sick 
family member or someone passes away, like our, our student athletes have to make that choice between like, do I stay here with my team or do I fly, you know, halfway across the country, halfway across the world um, to, to be there with my family and deal with these things. And so there's, you know, when, when that st- kind of stuff is happening, we're the ones that are there trying to like help them walk through, like, you know, how are you dealing with this? Because, you know, especially around things like loss, like families at home, they're dealing with it together. Student athlete, even if they get to go home and they're, they're coming right back, and they're not they're not going through that stuff with their family, good and bad. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's that's a, that's a really good point and something I hadn't really thought of too. Because you're right, now they have two different worlds almost kind of going on simultaneously. So you're right, if something happens, especially with the pandemic, a, a lot of student athletes or just students in general experience people in general experience a lot of loss. Uh, much of it due to COVID-19 and other physical issues. People lost their jobs as well. So you have all that kind of going on in the backdrop. And so, you know, obviously this the, the general bigger topic is just student athlete and mental health. Nina, in, in your role, Kevin White always called you a natural leader. So how do you lead in a space such as mental health one that is so relatively new and ever-evolving? Mm-hmm. Uh, great question. And, um, you know, it's, it's making sure that um, we lay out our priorities. And for us, mental health and, and supporting mental health journeys is a non-negotiable priority. Um, and so what that means is investment uh, in the area. And so that's where me as the, the leader and, and uh, the kind of CEO of our little business here, um, making sure that we're putting the finances in, in resources and bringing folks like Dr. Z here. And, and he's not the only one. We've got a, a team of three who obviously three can't support all 775. And so it's about collaborating and partnering with campus and, and utilizing our resources on campus as well. Um, And so as the leader, just kind of identifying um, those areas, making sure that we're investing appropriately and providing the resources for our student athletes um, in mental health and and many other areas that they need to be successful while they're here. Yeah. And so it's really about, okay, we've got these issues going on. This is the trend. This is the movement. We really need to Let's see what, what, where we can divvy up some of our resources. And listen, I know from a, a larger level, company level, you're like, okay, we got to do headcount. And it takes like six months to a year, sometimes depending on what institution or company, it takes a couple years to get that type of headcount. And so, Dr. Z, when I saw that you were hired in 2018, I believe it was, and then to really see that that department start to fill out slowly, it, happen, it has to happen so slowly, right? You know, it, it, it looks slowly, but, like, in this world, mm. like, when you see, you know, the mental health space around the country within college athletics, like, we grew quickly. Um, and I think that, that speaks to, like, Duke was was behind this. And, and, you know, even during the pandemic when other places were cutting things, like, we we added during that time. And, then, you know, and Nina brings up a good point. Like, it's not just the three of us. Like, we've got a great community here you know we've got resources on campus with caps we've got the duke health system here that has has supportive areas we've got partners in the community and it's really bringing all of those things together to find you know what's the best fit for each individual as they go through this so it's it's growing it internally but also making sure that we're we're connecting with resources that that have always existed here yeah gee any thoughts about you know when you think about all the resources i think for us coming in as student athletes it's also not only getting adjusted to this world but really figuring out who those resources are where those resources are what do they do and you know are are some a lot of those things kind of go over our heads sometimes absolutely i think it's awesome what you guys are doing because obviously you know from the outside i'd hope that people look at duke as a beautiful place because it is and i've you know obviously went to school here for three years and came back and got my degree so happy about that uh thank you (laughs) and um you know but the health of duke is about the health of the people here and the large majority of people here are the students and so if they're not healthy then we're not healthy you know so it's it's very important uh to have that available to them and um obviously mental health has been a a huge thing that's talked about more nowadays and um, is extremely important and um, putting the students first and giving them that access to that is everything that they need. I'm just curious about what your thoughts are in the ever-evolving definition of of mental health. I was looking at my social media posts and I was going to do something and 
you know, I thought, well, within the psychological context, like this may not necessarily, my definition of mental health may not fit how other clinicians or other people in that space see it. Um, and I'll kind of start it off. I like, you know, that from a sports psychologist perspective, it might be the optimization and performance from a mental health counselor. They might look at more just dysfunction. But do you do any of you have any thoughts about what mental health means or should mean? I mean, I think starting to get people to see it more like on a spectrum, right? You know, I think, you know, to your point, Prim, like we see this like optimizing performance, like every one of our athletes wants to do that, you know, and, and, and getting your mental game to that level is, is another edge that, you know, we, we focus on all the physical training, nutrition, everything. So that piece is just everybody wants to get better at something. I think when we say mental health, a lot of people have these like pictures in their heads of, you know, whatever you've seen on TV or movies, which is, you know, what going to a psychologist looks like and like, you know, laying down on a couch and, you know, all these things. And it's like, <laughs> that's sort of it. Like that, that can be it, but there's, there's so much more to that of like, you know, really just trying to help people grow and get better. And yes, when there are people that are dealing with things like depression and anxiety and, you know, even thoughts of suicide, like that, that is a big piece of what we do, but that's not all we do. And I think that's trying to get people to realize that, that that's not, that the vision that they may have in their head may is just a, a slice of the pie. Right, right. As a non-clinician uh, definition of mental health, I think it's really important that we talk about it in both a positive, uh, or not both, in a positive manner, because not all mental health is bad. And so we need to recognize we all have mental health. And um, just kind of where are we in our journey to, um, you know, positive, good mental health and, and ensuring that we're talking about it as not just the clinical diagnosis of depression and anxiety, et cetera, um, but to ensure that, that we want, um, you know, for specifically here at Duke, ensure that our student athletes are, are on a journey towards positive well-being, um, self-confidence, self-awareness, et cetera. And, and so I think, you know, b- part of um, breaking down the stigma of, of mental health and the, the barriers to access is talking about it in a positive way. Yeah, absolutely. It's resi- it's recognizing like all the different definitions, all the different elements, all the it's almost like a like a crystal or something if you shine it in different lights. I mean, mental health could really include all of these aspects. I mean, honestly, I just think that if I were to describe mental health, I just say like it's just being human. Honestly, because I think so much of it impacts everything, um, everything that we, we really do. And you kind of mentioned, Nina, about, well, from a non-clinician mm-hmm. perspective, and I appreciate that. And the reason why I had all of you, uh, the both of you, and, and you too, Gerald, uh, explain your roles is because sometimes I feel like the conversation of mental health, people are kind of say, well, I'm not a sports psychologist or I'm not a psychologist, so I can't really talk about that. But that's what this is, Transparent Conversations is all about, is giving everybody a seat at the table. And I'm curious about just your thoughts about how the conversation is going around mental health. Do you think people feel comfortable to have a seat at the table to talk about it right now? getting better. I mean, we're talking about it more. And I I mentioned to you earlier, we um, obviously talk a lot about our student athletes journey um, on on the mental health path. But in our staff meetings, I often bring it up and ensure that we are we the the adults in the room are taking care of our own journeys and and focusing on our own mental health. um, So that we are in a prime space to be able to support our student athletes. Um, And so I, I think it's really important for us to be talking about it at, at every opportunity that we can and for everyone to, to know what resources exist to help them. Yeah. Dr. Z, any thoughts about just having a seat at the table to talk about this? And yeah, I mean, I sometimes say around here, like if, 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 if I or my staff are the only ones talking about mental health, like we're, we're not going to get anywhere. Like, and, and I think that's what we've seen, you know, as Nia said, like it, our stigma around here specifically has, has dropped you know, since I've been here. And, and I think it was people getting used to, to us being around as a staff, but also like the conversations um, weren't just being had by me. Like our, our coaches are starting to talk about it. Our staff are starting to talk about it. And I know, you know you're going to talk with uh, you know, some current and former student athletes tomorrow, but um, when they started talking about it themselves, that's when we really saw it take off. Like that it was, you know, it wasn't just like, okay, like, Sean's going to come and talk about it. It was like, no, we can have conversations, you know, one-on-one as peers within our teams. And that's when 
that's when you really start to see change. And that's what a real conversation is, is uh, how that operates, right? And so what we're doing here with Transparent Conversations, of course, we are in our glass case of emotion van, and it's us for sitting here. But this is an opportunity. We're going to have a Q&A afterwards, uh, and we're going to have the students submit their questions, whether they want to put their names, whether they want to do it anonymously. We want to give it that interactive component because a conversation shouldn't just be on, on stage or on, on TV, right? Um, Gerald, when you're, you're talking about all of this, does it, how does it feel to you? I mean, you know, when you and I were in school, even though I'm older than you, but it was, a lot has changed in 10, even just like 10 years. But what does it feel like to sit in this conversation and just air some of this out? I love it. Because, like I told you, I've used a performance coach in, in my time, and he was a uh, sports psychologist, and I know how well it worked for me. And, um, you know, you talk about anything from what's going on with my fiancé at the time to, uh, you know, how I'm performing on the court to what I'm eating. Um, but the definition, like we were talking about before, of to me of mental health is – healthy thoughts. That's what you want to be putting through your brain at all times. I'm not a um, psychologist myself, even though I graduated here with a psychology degree. Yeah, you did. Yes, I did. (laughs) I I tell my wife that all the time. She's like, you're not a doctor. (laughs) But you could be if you wanted to. I I got a head start on her. I do. But, um, you know, healthy thoughts and, you know, it's just, it's just important. I think in a team concept that, um, you know, you got to look out for your teammates, right? Obviously on the court, but off the court, um, leaning on them, you know, giving, empowering them, giving them healthy thoughts is all important. Mm -hmm. You know, as we continue to flush out this conversation, the one thing that I guess seems obvious, but outsiders and sports fans will look at athletes as entertainers and kind of just like a vehicle and they're just an athlete but when we're talking about this stressors of a student athlete most of the stuff that we talked about has to do with their development as a human being so it kind of makes sense it's like now you have so many different chunks of stressors and so it adds up so it's hard to compartmentalize that aspect is it not I mean it's one of those things that we talk about all the time right is you know and when you're out there like you leave everything else behind that's great until it's not, yeah. you know, and, and I think that's, you know, and, and helping people understand that, that like, you know, you, you sometimes you sit at a game and you'll, you'll hear somebody yell like, oh, what's wrong with you? It's like, do you really want to know the answer to that question? Because <laughs> they got a lot going on, right? Mm-hmm. You know, and it's like, but we forget that because we see people as, you know, as entertainers and you forget that like they are, you know, at the college level, professional level, like they're, they're people and, and they don't. I think athletes are really good at compartmentalizing and, and, and turning things off, but they're still human and it's not going to work all the time. I'll add, you know, as, as I've retired now and I watch a lot of NBA games on television and even doing a lot of, um, you know, broadcasting stuff now, um, you know, you turn on the TV, let's say the Hornets, now I live in Charlotte, the Hornets, or let's say Duke's playing, right? You turn the game on at 7 o'clock, you see them warming up, and you expect this performance, right? You expect them to play well. You, you uh, expect a good game. And people just don't know everything it took for them to get to the floor. Yeah. And everything it took for, um, you know, them to look good out there or look bad. You know, like maybe they don't have a good first half. Well, what's going on with them? Well, you know, live one day <laughs> as a Duke basketball player. Yeah. You know, and, um, you know, it's it's there's there's just so many things that go into the players showing up there healthy, physically and mentally. And, um, you know, that the normal viewer just would not understand or even think about. So, you know, it's 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 tough to put judgment on on anybody, obviously, um, you know, if you don't know what it took to get there. As you're explaining that story, it made me think of, it sounds similar to when you and I were sitting down for the next chapter and you're going through, you're chronicling uh, all of your injuries and surgeries. Mm -hmm. And it's like, oh my gosh, so much goes into it just to get back onto the court. And so, you know, 
thank you for sharing that. And I, I guess the question is, how do we push this conversation forward? And more importantly, how do we create empathy? Empathy between and start to chip away at this wall between everybody else and and the athletes, you know? I think this is a great start, right? And we're having the conversation, and it is a very open and public conversation. Um, and we need to continue to have the conversations. But, you know, it's interesting as I, as I kind of think about how we started here, we talked about all the stressors and, um, you know, all, all the issues and challenges around mental health. And that's great. We need to keep talking about it. But we also need to be following up the conversations with solutions mm. and um, talking about, you know, the resources that are, are available here for our Duke student athletes. And um, we're so lucky to have Dr. Z, but but to continue to highlight the work that he's doing and, and how he can help with solutions for our student athletes. But again, to kind of rehammer the point we made earlier home, it's not just Sean and his staff. It's all of us. It's our coaches and our administrators and frankly, our university community to really be um, aware, educated and aware um, of, of mental health and, and the conversations that are happening. That's a, such an amazing point. And I think that says so much about um, your your type of leadership and also that's representative of Duke is really accepting, hey, you know what, I have some responsibility for this and the mental health and well-being of the student athletes, even if I'm not a clinician or whatever, you know, we all kind of have a role. So Dr. Z, how do we push this conversation forward and continue to create more empathy on this topic? You know, I think it's it's the small things. It's changing the way that, like, we talk and react to these things. You know, I, as you were talking earlier and we were talking, you know, what's the definition of mental health, you know, and, like, when people say, like, you know, I'm going to work on my mental health, like, sometimes that first reaction is like, oh, what's wrong? Mm. But if someone walked up to you and said, hey, I'm going to work on my physical health, you'd be like, great. Like, what, like, it's just subtle little things like the way we, we act, you know, react to those things. You know, I, I worked with this student-athlete and this was a long time ago. This was a different school. And, and I remember one day, like, we had worked together for, like, two years. Like, she, like, came in. She was working on everything. It was optimal performance. It was great. And one day, we were in walking through the – I was walking through the building. I was talking to one of our staff members who, again, not here. Um, <laughs> and, and she was the sweetest woman. Everybody loved her. And, you know, the student athlete comes up to me. is like, hey, I need, to, I need to reschedule my appointment with you. Like, you know, this is very publicly, but she was totally comfortable with it. Didn't think anything of it. And the staff member was like, oh, I'm so sorry. I, I didn't realize you had stuff going on in your life. And I was like, that kid came into my office the next time. I was like, is there supposed to be something wrong with me to come talk to you? And I was like, no. And she's like, well, I never thought of it until. And it's, and it's just little things like that. Like that, that woman was, again, everybody loved her. She was super sweet. But just that way that we're programmed to talk about mental health like and to see someone going to see a psychologist we've got we've got to be better at not not having those reactions and seeing it as like oh it's a bad thing yeah because it's not I mean listen I say this all the time it's like we have teachers in school we have coaches for sports we have financial advisors for our finances why not have somebody that's going to help us in our general life and I've been in you know I've had my therapist for 10 years and it's amazing she's she's impacted so many different areas of my life and she even helped me when I was doing my professional tennis comeback so that's kind of even a good point of like the person doesn't even have to know about this that specific area or domain to really help somebody so as we kind of wrap this up, we have a lot of student athletes and a lot of people listening. So the final question I'm going to ask you, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to let Nina go because she has many, 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 many responsibilities. And then we're going to do our Q&A. But there's a lot of students out there listening and, and really trying to figure their way out through college. So my last question is, what would you tell your 18 to 22-year-old self? when you were back in college? What kind of advice would you offer yourself? And I'm going to, I'll, I'll start, because I actually, I don't have an answer yet, so I'm going to stall and try to figure out what I'm going to say, because I'm like, oh, we need four more hours. Um, yeah, I don't know. I guess for me is, um, you know, just, just I would tell my 18-year-old self as I was walking onto the campus of Duke University is, I don't know, like you just earned it. You earned it. I think I, I had imposter syndrome. And, you know, I would just say, you don't have to put the whole weight of your shoulders, uh, the whole world on your shoulders. Um, and in fact, like one of my mentors who's going to appear on our 
final podcast, Dr. William Parham. He's the mental health director for the MBPA today. And he said that to me as I was going, as embarking on this transparent conversation. He said, don't put the entire weight of the world on your shoulders. You don't need to. So I will pass the baton and uh, pose that question to any one of you. Who would like to go first? I'll go first. Um, I would say as a priority, it would be check, just check in with yourself, you know, like daily. Hey, where am I at? And like I mentioned before, it's a fast-paced kind of life you're living. If you don't take time uh, aside just to, you know, think about where you're at, but then also, like, go hang out with your friends. I don't know what college kids do now. I know for our schedule back in the day, it was just a piece of paper that you carried around all day with you, but... (laughs) Put on your schedule on your phone if you do it now. And it's like as a professional now, entrepreneur now in my life, if I don't put something on the schedule, it's not going to happen. It doesn't happen. But what I do is I down to like eating. Like I put down, I'm going to eat at this time because if I don't put it on there, I'll forget about it. And then I'll be dragging the rest of the day. But put, put on your schedule, hey, Friday nights, is it Friday today? Uh, That's what I'm saying. Like, the week's just going by crazy. (laughs) Friday night, like, I'm going to hang out with my friends tonight. Like, I'm going to a party. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And because those things are important to get you away from the stressors. You know, all the things that um, are important. But, you know, the stressors are are the things giving you, um, you know, are going to be there. So set aside some time for yourself to just relax, you know, hang out with your friends. That's awesome. That's such a good point and great ideas. Uh, Dr. Z or Nina? Be objective. And what I mean by that is, like, you, you got to look at everything that you're doing in a day. You know, I think it's real easy, especially, you know, with everything we talked about, right, is the, the, the stressors, what's not going right in my life. Like, that stuff, like, you know, that comes to the forefront for a lot of people. Is just like, oh, you know, I, I went through this whole day, and most of my day was, was pretty good, but, you know, the, the last meeting I had didn't go well. So my day wasn't good. Like, no, if you really go back and look at it, that's not how the day went. You know, I think we're naturally programmed to just focus on the negative. And if you really look at your day and, you know, your weeks, there's a lot of good things. There's also a lot of things of, like, I, I just did what I was supposed to do. You know, I check the box. Like, that. that's a lot of that in our lives. But we don't, we're not always objective. We focus on the negative and that throws us out of balance. And that's not really what's going on for us. Thank you for sharing that. I believe I did that on Monday. I was like, I did all these other great things. I'm like, I did not do that. It got me upset. And I just upset my producer. He's like, don't bang on the table. Bad way to um, end this first section of the film. Sorry, Renzo. Nina. Yes. Um, well, listen, I would tell my 18 to 22 year old self and our student athletes, um, When you get here, we are in such a resource-rich environment. Identify the resources that you need to be successful. There is so much on this campus, and not just within athletics, but so much around campus. A lot of people here um, that are cheering for you want to see your your success. Um, Success takes a village. You can't do it alone. Um, And so identify the people that you want in your village. I, uh, I love this part of my, my job. I try to meet with every freshman one-on-one. And we have a 20, 30-minute meeting in my office. I go through a list of questions. Um, and it's great. It's a great way for me to learn who they are. Again, important for me to, to understand them as people. Um, but one of the things that I ask them, well, I do ask them is, you know, is there something we could be doing to make your Duke experience better? And hmm. it's so funny, earlier, early in the year, these meetings take me all year, but early in the year, it's usually no, everything's perfect. It's great. And uh, towards the end, you know, we have a, a few things, help with the bus stop and, uh, you know, things <laughs> like that. Um, but but one of the things I tell them, you have so many resources around here, your athletic trainer, your academic advisor, your nutritionist, etc. Just count me as one more resource. And again, if it's to come and have a conversation, if you want to go have a cup of coffee, if you need the mom hug, um, those types of things. There's just so much here, and we all are cheering for success, um, for your personal success. So utilize us. 
That is awesome. That is also very time consuming that you meet with every single student, freshman student, athlete. I'm like, wow, that must last like two years. No, it's the <laughs> best. It's my, my favorite days are when I see on my calendar, I have like six meetings with freshmen. We kind of jam them in, but it's, it's the best. I'm about 65 in wow. on the way to 150. So. Wow. Oh my gosh. Well, this is, this has been such an amazing conversation. We're going to take a brief intermission to give everybody a little break and also to give our panelists a break, specifically Dr. Zeppelin and, and G Money over here. But Nina, also, thank you. Thank you so much for taking the time and opening your doors for all of us and our awesome, crazy van to come in here and talk about such an important topic. And as, as I said to you before the panel, Again, I haven't gotten a chance to say, but just congratulations on your position as AD for the Blue Devils because it's so cool to see not only a woman in a position of leadership, but a woman of color as well. And so I think that says a lot about what this place is doing. Thank you. Appreciate yes. it. This was so much fun and um, had a had a good time with you guys. And y'all don't get too crazy now when I leave. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We'll take a quick five-minute break. Really hope you enjoyed today's conversation and also learned something from our discussion. So stay tuned next week for not only another episode of the next chapter, but another discussion on student-athlete mental health and well-being as our LG Transparent Conversations nationwide series continues and makes another stop at a different location with a different set of guests. For other episodes of the next chapter, be sure to check out our homepage on iHeartRadio or wherever you get your podcast. And you can also watch the full version of these interviews on YouTube. Just search for The Next Chapter with Prim Seripapat. And you can also follow me on all my social media platforms at Prim underscore Seripapat. The Next Chapter with Prim Seripapat is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.